0: Okay, you can go ahead and go to uh, Genesis uh, 46. We'll be there in just a moment. I want to remind you of the time period. Uh, The Pharaoh is Sinusret II. Uh, He's the one that appointed Joseph as his vizier. And um, Joseph was like a father to him. Uh, We remember about the seven really good years. They are putting stuff away right and left. Uh, Very wise choice. And then uh, when the years of the horrible drought and famine came along, uh, it was in the second year that Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers. And uh, that means that it's been 22 years since he was presumed dead. Uh, Joseph's around 39 years of age, which means that he's actually been a vizier for nine years, right? Uh, and uh, his father, Jacob, is 130. Now, he's gonna to live to be 147. Uh, and the boys, they're not boys anymore. These are their relative ages, when you start looking at it. The eldest, Reuben, is around 45. And the youngest, Benjamin, is around 22. Uh, So that means most of these guys are already having grandkids come into their lives. And this is the group, then, that Joseph invites to come live in Egypt, not just simply for the five remaining years of the famine, but for the foreseeable future. And that is exactly what God had told Abraham was gonna happen, is that they would eventually go into a land that was not their own, they would be strangers there, in fact they would end up being slaves there, but they would come back in the fourth generation or they would come back after 400 years. So this is one of those places where you get the impression a generation is 100 years. Uh, but that might be because they were living such long lives uh, in this particular group at this time. Uh, So you know the story that uh, they went back to dad at Pharaoh's command. They got wagons galore uh, to pack everybody up, and uh, when Jacob, uh, you know, jumps in that wagon and is on his way, The first place that he wants to stop, which is right along the path anyway, was where he was born, uh, where he did some of his growing up, um, and that was Beersheba. And uh, this is where we ended two weeks ago, was in the beginning of chapter 46, uh, where God ends up speaking to him and saying this. Look at verse 3 of chapter 46. I am God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. I'm gonna make you a great nation there. Uh, Now the word for nation here has nothing to do with government. It's got everything to do with a people group, an ethnic group, a group that has a shared uh, history, a shared background, a shared language, a shared culture, a shared mindset. So all of that. So he's going to make him into a nation there. Uh, I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. So that's tied into the prophecy I told you a little while ago about, that Abraham had already been told and uh, presumably had passed it on, that once they did go into another country, they would be back in 400 or so years. Uh, And then the last thing, very important uh, to him, Joseph will close your eyes. Uh, So Joseph's going to be right there the day that Jacob dies, which he never imagined was going to happen. He's thought all this time that Joseph was dead. Um, And so I guess probably the second best thing he could hope for was Benjamin was going to close his eyes in death. But now he knows that... uh, uh, Joseph's going to be there. Uh, verse five, Jacob then arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their property which they had acquired in the land of Egypt, and they came to Egypt the land of Canaan, and they came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Uh, So they uh, left Hebron and they would have cut across to the coast and then along the coastline and then along the edge of the delta into the land of Goshen, which is uh, the lower right side of the delta. uh, The southeast side, if you want to use directions on the compass for that. And it's pretty nice uh, in there. Now Joseph is going to come up the other direction and meet them there. So he's going to be coming up from the capital. Uh, And here's an example today of what the delta looks like, if if you're just curious. Um, You've got a lot of pools of water left over from when the Nile floods its banks. So that's a good example of how every year when it's not a famine year, uh, the Nile, which is in the foreground here, you can just kind of barely see the bank of it. The Nile will flood, fill that immediate lowland with lots of good sediment-laden uh, soil or it'll it'll be sediment laden it'll drop it as soil the people go in and plant in all of those zones and then when the water starts receding back the plants grow up they got brand new soil they're good uh now you can kind of see there's higher land farther away from the the edge of the nile right so that's going to be places where they will have uh their living spots. Uh, right now it looks like they probably keep it as green space in modern day Egypt. Um, and so that's the sort of thing they're coming to. Now imagine what they left though. They have left a place that is burning up after two years of, of no water. And so all the, all the wet weather streams are totally dry. Uh, all the reservoirs are drying up. Uh, the grasslands. You know what it's like in heavy duty summertime when you go outside and the grass crunches under your feet? Yeah. That's kind of what it was probably like in their pasture lands because they didn't have irrigation uh, to uh, keep such places still moist. So they've left that sort of background and they're coming to this place so that even when it's super dry, uh, the Nile River's still there at least and they can get water up and out of that. Uh, So, um, any any questions about that background of, of the movement and how this is gonna be better for them? It'll be a safe zone for them. Okay, so the next part is a part that most people would prefer just to jump over. I'm not gonna do that, okay? I will explain it as I go. This is one of the first genealogies that we'll see of the Israeli people, and uh, why don't we? I think I've got. No,pe I don't. Let me go back. Where is it? There we go. There's the uh, there's the men, the boys of the family. Plus, you have the connection to their moms, right? And so this genealogy is based on the 12 sons plus their sons, uh, and in a couple of cases, the names of some grandsons. And the reason this is important is because this book is being written for the Israeli people. As they've left Egypt, and they're on the border with Canaan, and they're going to go in, and the land of Canaan is going to be divided up in accordance with their family groups. Those first family groups that get regions given to them are going to be the family groups mentioned here. So they at one time were men, uh, but eventually they are just names uh, that are in a genealogical list. Uh, But it does determine where you will be living uh, once you're into the promised land. So they're going to be very interested in this. Um, now, these are the names of the sons of Israel, also known as Jacob, and his sons who went to Egypt. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. and So you can see him on the list. Who's his mom? Leah. Uh, the sons of Reuben were Hanuk, Palu, Hazron, Garmi. Now, those names don't make any any difference to you, do they? But that's okay, because they wouldn't understand the names of your great-grandparents. Okay? They'd go. So, while you'd go, no, seriously, I remember my grandma talking about them, right? Uh, The sons of Simeon, Yamuel, Yamin, Oad, Yachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. Apparently that last one uh, was from a second wife concubine. Sons of Lawi, or Levi, Gershon, Kohat, Merari. Now those three names are very important because those are the names of the Levites who take care of the tabernacle and the ministry. Depending on which family group you are, of those three, that will decide whether you offer sacrifices in the temple, do support work around the the tabernacle or the temple. uh, When you're in the wilderness, whether you carry the actual Ark of the Covenant or one of the tables that goes into the tabernacle building, or the tent itself, or some of the other bits and pieces. Those three families get that sort of stuff divided up amongst them. The sons of Judah, or Judah, Ur and Onan and Shelah and Perez and Zerah, but Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. So they're not going to be counted in the number, but they will be replaced by two other names in the number. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. Those two guys are not even born yet. But when the book of Genesis is being written, it was already understood that their names stood in place of Ur and Onan. Who had died because of their sinful attitudes. Uh, but they will be uh, Jacob's grandsons, uh, these two, uh, uh, Perez and Hezron, or excuse me, uh, Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Pu'ra, and Yob, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, Yalil, uh, these were all the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padanaram, with his daughter Dina, and all his sons and his daughters numbered 33. And he'll add them all up, and it works out fine. Anybody excited about those? Probably not. Sons of Gad Zivion Hage, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Erodi, Ereli, sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, I wonder whether or not Ishva, Ishvi might have been twins, Beriah and their sister Sarah, and the sons of Beriah, Eber, and Mountiel. Now that's another group that we see grandsons mentioned. Uh, and not exactly sure why, but for some reason, they're afforded the idea of being one of the tribal subgroups. For later. Um, Then uh, these are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah, and she bore to Jacob these sixteen persons. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel, Yosef Benjamin. Now to Yosef in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh. Do you remember what Manasseh's name means? Forgotten. Yeah, that's right. I've forgotten. That's correct, it is, exactly right, I've forgotten. And Ephraim, whose name means, it's basically bountiful, uh, whom Aseneth, the daughter of Barapherah, priest of On, bore to him. Uh, The sons of Benjamin, now how old is Benjamin? 22. So he's got some kids, uh, but we're going to see some grandkids mentioned here. Uh, and a couple of his kids, it's not just simply their name, it's the name of the people group that comes from them. How do I know that? Because it has the plural ending on them. So, the sons of Benjamin, Bella, Biker, Ashbel, Gira, Ne'emen, Eehi, Rosh, Mupim, so probably his name is Mupi, and Hupim, probably Hupi, uh, and Ard, and so Mupim and Humpim, again, might be twins. Remember, we have twins a lot in these family groups. Uh, these are the sons of Rachel who were born to Yacoub, Uh there were 14 persons in all. And then the, son, the sons of Dan, there's only one, Hushim. And that's a plural ending, so his name was probably Hushi. And uh, so uh, Dan does not have a lot of kids but he hopefully has a lot of grandkids. Sons of Naphtali, Yazil, Guni, Yezer, Shlim. these are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter, Rachel, and she bore to these Jacob. These were seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons, therefore, in the house of Jacob who were, came to Egypt or who were in Egypt were 70. How many members of the Sanhedrin? Seventy. More than likely because of that. Seventy becomes a really significant number. Uh, in Jewish history. Um, um, Whenever they translate the Bible out of Hebrew for the very first time, they select 70 uh, to do that translation, although some say it was 72. Uh, But this is the whole idea that 70 was the base number that they started with in Egypt and grew from in all these different family groups. So that you can see it was monstrously big uh, in the growth between here uh, and uh, 400, it's gonna be 430 years later uh, when they leave Egypt. One last thing, and, and this is just This is something you won't see in your English Bibles. It only shows up in the Greek Bibles. But there is a place in the Psalms that talks about the fact that God uh, numbered the nations of the world in accordance with the number of the sons of Israel. And so Jewish tradition was, at the time that all this is happening, is that there were 70 other nations in the world. And that each one of the sons of Israel was supposed to be in charge of one of those nations. It's kind of weird. But uh, it was one of those Jewish traditions that grew up uh, out of there. And there's also something about the angels too in here, about the angels are um, connected with the number of the sons of Israel. Not that there's 70 only, but rather there are 70 key angels. Okay. That's enough of the the genealogy, right? Anything you want to ask about? Which tribe does uh, Samson come from? Do you know? It's interesting that we, we don't know these things, do we? He comes from the tribe of Dan. Which tribe does David come from? Judah, now that one we do remember, right? So which tribe does Jesus come from? Judah. Uh, which tribe does John the Immerser come from? Levi, very good. Uh, so all of, these, all of these tribes are important for the Jewish people in particular. And there are many cases in which you will see genealogies listed because they want to tie themselves back to one of the 12 founding fathers and therefore back to Jacob and one of the four founding mothers. Uh, And so genealogies are very important. Uh, When Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, one of the things that the rebels did was they burned down the uh, National Archives building in Jerusalem. They did it because that's where all the indebtedness certificates were located. They thought by burning up people's uh, original copies of indebtedness certificates, they'd get a lot of people on their side. But unfortunately, they also burned an awful lot of the original certificates of the genealogies, the certified genealogies. So many of the Jewish people from that time forward didn't know which which tribe they're from. There's only about one tribe that most people know for a fact that they come from. And that's only because it had become tradition before that people from this tribe carried their tribal name, uh, or one of the jobs of their tribal name uh, in their uh, surnames. Which is Cohen. Cohen is the word for priest. How do you spell that? C O H E N. Or sometimes you'll see it with a K. But that's the Hebrew word for priest. And so almost anyone that has carried the name Cohen in their family tree for a long time is guaranteed that they're from the tribe of Levi. The rest of them, they're hard pressed to be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt which tribe they belong to. Uh, they've actually done genealogical testings, though, of the Cohen people, and so they know what the markers are. So when Jewish people get their, uh, their genetic testing done, if they have the Cohen gene, they know from their, they're from a Levite family. And they find that interesting. All right, on to the next part of the story. So, um, verse 28, now, he sent Judah before him to Joseph. So, this goes back to our trip here, so that uh, Jacob sends Judah down to tell Joseph, hey, we're coming, meet us, uh, to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph prepared his chariot. He went up to Goshen, met his father, Israel. And as soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Does that surprise you? No, I am surprised that they'd be able to quit crying after all of the stuff that's happened. Uh, To see dad after all these years and for dad to see him after thinking he's he's been dead all these years. Uh, was something else Uh, Israel said to Joseph now let me die since I've seen your face that you are still alive now is he wanting like to kick the bucket right then no yeah it's idiomatic it's like now I can die I can rest in peace because everything's okay now um, Joseph then said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my fa- family, my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds for they've been keepers of livestock and they've brought their flocks and their herds all that, that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says to you, what is your occupation? So Joseph is now anticipating what the Pharaoh is gonna do. The Pharaoh has a lot of respect for Joseph. The Pharaoh depends heavily on him. Remember, we've already talked about the idea that this Pharaoh, his dad died that same year that Joseph interpreted his dreams and he ended up becoming the Pharaoh's vizier. Joseph said to his brothers when he first revealed himself to, him, to them, God has made me like a father to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh is looking at this as an extension of his own family now. So he's got relatives coming in, relatives he's never met, coming in, and uh, he's got to put them somewhere, right? And so Joseph is anticipating that this is going to be a conversation that's going to take place, and he says, when he asks you what your occupation is. You need to say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. So Joseph does not want Pharaoh to insist, oh, you guys need to come and live at the palace. You need to come and live at the capital city we got plenty of places where you could grow crops. Now, do Jacob and his family grow crops? Sure. Yes, that's why they're in trouble, right? They can't grow crops right now because of the famine. So they have been tillers of the field and probably harvesters of vineyards and maybe, you know, the summer fruits and all of those sorts of things. They probably do a wide variety of agricultural stuff. And agricultural stuff like that can be done down by the capital city. So he does not want his brothers to give Pharaoh um, a reason to bring them up close to him. He wants them to give Pharaoh a good reason to keep them at arm's length. And the best way to do that is to focus on the fact that they keep sheep and cattle. Because for whatever reason, and I think it might be something to do with fleas, for whatever reason, the Egyptians have a thing about shepherds and animal keepers. They don't want them anywhere near them. They want them far away. Um, all the Semites, uh, remember the people that are coming out of uh, Asia, out of the Canaanite area, when they come down to visit Egypt, and we saw the pictures of them doing that, uh, the Egyptians kept their distance from them because they felt like they were well, the word is loathsome here. They're dirty, they're nasty, stinking sheep herders, right? Have people ever had attitudes like that in modern time? Yeah, everybody out of the west, you know, the the cattle guys, they hated those nasty sheep herders, right? Now they had a different reason because the sheep cropped the the prairie down a lot tighter and a lot closer. Uh, but this is Joseph's way of making sure that his family gets isolated, if you will, insulated might be the better term, in Goshen. Close enough that they can, the Egyptians can make use of the animals and the animal products. Uh, but far enough away they don't have to make uh, regular contact with those dirty shepherds. Okay? Uh, So Joseph's got, you know, he's got a good mind going here. He knows how to play the game. Uh, Any questions now up to this point, or comments even? Uh, would he have been humiliated? I, I doubt it. I, I, th- I think that he is perfectly fine. I mean, he grew up doing that himself. Uh, but he is now, he's, he's a, an, an integral part of Egyptian society. So he knows the ins and outs of it. And so his big concern is, I want my family in Goshen. I don't want them by the capital city. I want them in Goshen a couple of days away. Uh, and the best way to do that is to highlight not their agricultural background, because they have that. Highlight their, their pastoral keeping of sheep thing. Now, y- you may also remember, Joseph might be humiliated in the way that he gets treated, though. Because even though he's been in Egypt for, what did I say, 22 years now, Uh, and he's been uh, the vizier of Egypt for nine. So he's been the number two guy for nine. Egyptians won't sit at a dinner table with him. Even though he shaved off his body hair. You know, he doesn't wear a beard anymore. He does the whole Egyptian look. They still won't sit at a dinner table with him because he's a Semite. And Semites keep sheep as a main job, and sh- that makes him dirty. Now, that, that, that makes me sad for Joseph. I mean, uh, he probably ends up interacting more with his own servants, who may be Semites as well, some of them, uh, than he does with um, the, the full-blood Egyptians. Prejudice is ridiculous, isn't it? It's just insane. Be hard for him to maintain his position if he couldn't. Relate. It does make it harder for him because in any type of social setting he has to be isolated. In the business world that doesn't seem to be an impediment. It's the social functions I don't know for sure, but my suspicion is that even when he was on a, at a, in a s- state function dinner, he didn't get to sit right next to the pharaoh. He probably had to sit at a, a, at a table separate from them or from him. Uh, I can't answer that question. I know that they do still grow an awful lot of things there in the Delta, but they've, um, I think they've expanded in a lot of their green areas all along the Nile. And the Fayoum Delta, which you can barely, uh, not the Delta, the Fayum Oasis, that you can see the big green blop uh, south of the Delta there, Uh, That was starting to be developed in this time that we're looking at right now, and it has been further developed since then. And so they have plenty of places where they can grow things. Um, During the Roman Empire period, the Nile Delta was the breadbasket of Italy and particularly of the city of Rome itself. Rome, in the beginning of the first century, had about one million people living in it. Uh, 750,000 to a million people living in it. Uh, they couldn't grow enough grain on the Italian peninsula to feed that, all those people and the other Italians on the peninsula. And so there were grain ships constantly coming across the Med uh, to Italy in order to bring uh, the food for all those hungry uh, Italians. Uh, so the Nile Delta was the breadbasket uh, At the time of Jesus, there would have been tons and tons of grain fields all through that region. Was Joseph's uh, wife Egyptian? Yes. Joseph's wife, who was mentioned in the genealogy section, she's actually the daughter of a preacher. Well, not exactly a preacher. He's a priest of the sun god. Um, and I'm hoping, it's, one of, it's on my list of things to be asking around. Hey, Joseph, Joseph, I want to know something. Is your wife here? Did she convert? Because I wonder whether or not that might have happened. All right, chapter 47, verse number one. So Joseph went in and he told Pharaoh, said, my father and my brothers and their flocks and their herds and all that they have, they've come out of the land of Goshen and behold, excuse me, out of the land of Canaan, behold, they're in the land of Goshen. So we have the picture here, we've got the Pharaoh on the left here and we've got, some vizier figure, let 's just play, and it 's going to be our Joseph guy, all right? Uh, Joseph on the right, uh, Joseph 's older than, the, than Pharaoh, probably, and uh, so he says, "Sir, my family is here, and I 'd like to introduce them to you. Um, so he took five men from among his brother brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Now I could only get four Semites out of that Beni Hassan cave thing that we keep using over and over again. But this is kind of, uh, this is the style of the time, right? Uh, and, so, and the beards, I'd, I don't know if the um, Israelis, the Israelis in their first state, uh, that is uh, the Hebrews, whether they shaved their mustaches like these guys did, it might have been a style at the time. Uh, but definitely black hair, probably kind of curly and tight to the head, and the black beard, uh, and then the clothing that they're wearing, these are Semites. And so five of Joseph's brothers are brought in to introduce them to uh, Pharaoh. Now why not all of them? That might be a little overwhelming. Because remember, what, what are they going to fess up to being? Shepherds. And how do they feel about shepherds? Ah! stay back. I hope nothing jumps off of you onto me, that sort of thing. So uh, Pharaoh said to his brothers, what's your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. So he's like, hmm, okay. So the Pharaoh said, hmm. Um, they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land for there's no pastures for your servants' flocks for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. So Joseph keeps pushing this idea. Goshen, 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 Goshen. And so uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. There you go. So now it's official. The pharaoh has put his stamp of approval on it. Goshen is now the territory of the Hebrews. It belongs to them. That's where they're going to live. Uh, and if you know any capable men among them then put them in charge of my livestock so do you think his livestock is nearby no it's farther away it's being taken care of elsewhere because how do they feel about shepherds they're loathsome right how do they feel about eating mutton apparently they don't like eating mutton how do they like uh, milk and cheese they apparently like milk and cheese they just didn't like the animals and the people taking care of the animals to be too close. They wanted them farther away. And so Pharaoh goes, hey, you guys are good at this? Take care of my animals. Uh, and so Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Excuse me. Um, I jumped too far. Uh, then... Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. All right, so now we shift over. I found myself a picture of an old Jewish guy. Uh, now, this guy's probably only about 80 at the most, I would guess. Yeah, <laughs> he better not be younger than us. Uh, so you've got to put some more wrinkles on Jacob, okay? Jacob is 130 years old. Maybe make the bags under his eyes a little bit baggier, okay? Uh, And and his beard maybe even more gray. Uh, So basically, he brings this old guy into the pharaoh's presence. Now, I sincerely doubt that this pharaoh has ever met anyone even close to 100 years old. And here he is meeting a guy that's 130. And that seems to be what jumps out at the Pharaoh. Uh, Says that Jacob blessed Pharaoh, which is interesting because in the book of Hebrews we are reminded in all these cultures, the more senior person is the one that blesses the junior person. So who blesses who here? Jacob blesses Pharaoh. So Jacob comes in and says, basically, God bless you, sir. God bless you for opening up the land to us to be able to come up and live here. And he puts God's blessing on him. Uh, And then Pharaoh said to Jacob, and I'd really like to have heard exactly how he said this. How old are you? Right? I mean, when, how many of you have met people that are over 100 years old? Wow, only two of us ever met anyone over 100 years old? Now, Marjorie's 97, so she's getting up close to there. But it's a rarity to meet somebody that's over 100, isn't it? Now, how many of you ever met anybody that's 110? Not me, not you. Have you seen pictures of somebody that was 110? Have you seen any interviews of people that were 110? Kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, when they start talking about you know, this, that, and the other thing that they've experienced, it's like, wow, wow. And what do they always ask them to? What is the secret to your long life? And every once in a while they say, I drink lots of liquor, or I go to bed at 8 o'clock every night, or hard work. They, they, they never say the exact same thing. They've got this wide variety of things that they say. Genetics is probably an answer to a lot of it. Um, but this is pretty impressive because Egyptians don't live this long. The Hebrew line, even among the Semites, is much longer lived than any one of the other groups. And it's probably because of the blessing of God on them. Uh, when God uh, brought the flood on the Earth, he um, anticipated an ultimate curse on lifespan to be 120 years. He says, man is flesh, his years will be limited to 120. I know a lot of people go, I thought that was for how long the ark was being built. No, when you go back and read it, uh, it's not how long the ark was being built, it's the limit that God was gonna start putting on the human uh, genome. Uh, By the time that the book of Exodus comes around, which is only a hundred, or excuse me, 430 years from from this event. Um, nobody is living beyond 120 years. Moses is pretty much the last recorded person to live 120 years. He's the upper limit. Uh, so the Spectacle of the Pharaoh meeting this guy is something that we should appreciate. Because uh, they never seen anything like this. Uh, but listen to how Jacob responds to this, this shock. How old are you? <laughs> he said, The years of my sojourning are hundred and thirty. Few and unpleasant. He actually uses the word for rotten. Rawr. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. So he describes that his life's been hard. It's been rough. And would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, he ends up treating, uh, tricking his brother, getting his brother mad at him. Tricking his father, getting his father mad at him, he gets shipped off to another country. To he gets tricked there. He ends up with two wives. The wife that he loves and wants can't have kids, and it's back and forth and the baby contest. And then his favorite wife dies in childbirth, and we end up uh, with two of his sons getting uh, angry at uh, the potential in-law that they were gonna end up with, so they kill all the men in the country, and, and then he's, he's got another son that sleeps with his uh, concubine, and then he has his son apparently killed by a wild animal. Then along comes the famine. Yeah, it's been a pretty rough life, right? Uh, but he says his days are few, what? When compared to those before. Nor have they attained to the years of my fathers, that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. Um, he's not as old as his dad was when he died. He's not anywhere close to where Granddad was. Uh, Abraham was 175 when he died. Jacob was 15 at the time. You think this is this young man meeting this old man is amazing? Think about a 15-year-old with a grandfather's 175. So. And before that, remember, the book of Genesis has genealogies, right? After the flood, and it's decreasing in numbers. But before the flood, do you remember what the average age lifespan was before the flood happened? In the 900s. So that's what he's referencing back here. He says, yeah, I'm 130 years but I'm a spring chicken compared to the people that came before me. Uh, And then Jacob blessed Pharaoh, apparently wanted to bless him twice, and went out of his presence. And uh, so Jacob settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Now, the land of Ramesses has confused Uh, some of the Bible uh, students and chronologers. Because when they hear the name Ramses, what do they think of? Well, what do you think about when you hear Ramses? A a pharaoh uh, and pyramids, right? Because later there will be a pharaoh named Ramses. But the name existed long before that guy ever showed up. Because Ramses just simply means the god Ra pours forth. That's all it means. The sun god is pouring forth. Uh, So the, uh, the land that these guys are settled in, the land of Goshen, is also thought of as the place where the sun god is pouring forth. Why? Well, if you go back to our map real quick here, uh, you can't really tell it very well. Um, but with I keep saying the wrist of the uh, of the delta, about halfway up the blue uh, line, there is a city on this map named Heliopolis. Heliopolis means the city of the sun. But back in the time of Joseph. It was called On. It's where his wife grew up, where his father-in-law works as a priest. And it is basically where the stream of the Nile is pouring out into the Delta and heading off to the Mediterranean. So the sun god Ra is doing what? He's pouring forth through the region that these guys are living in. So the land of Ramesses is equivalent to the land of Goshen. And so it should not be confused with the Pharaoh who gets named the same name later. Um, Verse 12, Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Uh, And so if there's 70 named guys... Uh, Then you can double up on that, and we're already up to 140, right, Uh, in order to get them married off. And then they start having kids, and each of them are having kids of like five, six, seven. And so now we're into the hundreds, right, of people, you know, the the sons, the wives, the grandkids, the great-grandkids that start coming along when the grandkids start getting married. And so the land of Goshen, in just a matter of years, is full of mouths to feed. Uh, and we know that when this whole story starts, they still got five years of famine. And so Joseph is going to start feeding them out of his um, his rations that he is due uh, and which he can pay for. And that is where we're going to have to leave him tonight because I don't want to get started on the next part, <laughs> which is basically where Joseph is the one that brings the entire country of Egypt under the control of the singular crown. Uh, and this is an important event in Egyptian history uh, because Egypt was made up of different regions that were governed by different regional governors uh, who could kind of stand up against the pharaoh's wishes if they, if they wanted to. Uh, but that's all gonna change because of the famine. Uh, and it is Joseph that uh, actually makes that happen because of some things that he puts into place. You look like you got a question or a comment there, Rita. No? Anybody got anything? Yes? I'm pretty sure the city of Goshen takes their name from that. I don't remember who it was that settled the area of Goshen, but I know there's a lot of Mennonite influence there, and Mennonites are very, very biblically literate, and so they probably use that term, and probably meant it as a, uh, you know, a place of great fertility, uh, which that region's pretty fertile, I would guess. Anything else? All right, prepare your hearts, because by next week, our hero, Joseph, is going to turn out to be a government guy. In fact, he's going to turn out to be a big government guy. In fact, he's going to be a big government guy that insists on 20% taxes. Anybody want to go along with Joseph on that? <laughs> you take 20% for yourself? <laughs> oh. Oh, because of all the different regions? Yeah. All right. We're going to pray, and we're going to close up. Father, we thank you for the story of Joseph. Thank you for the, the good ending that we had here where Joseph and his dad get back together again, and um, everything's working out because you're taking care of it. Um, we know, Father, you were even working on taking care of Joseph's Brothers that didn't take good care of him. Uh, So help us when we read stories like this to take heart that you'll always work things together for good for us. But also as a reminder to us that no matter what other people do to us, our responsibility is to still look out how we can do best for them in your name. So help us get out there, Lord, and uh, live our lives for you. Uh, Shine the light in such a way that people can see those good works and give glory to you. Let's have a great rest of the week. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.